Go. Hey everyone, this is Christy C., Soul's assistant editor, and welcome to another episode of In the Spray Room, our podcast where we talk to some of the best and brightest artists working on the streets today. For our daily online content, check us out on soulmagny.com and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at soulmag. Today's crew consists of myself, Bike Girl, hello, and Brooklyn's own Big Ronnie. What's up, team? Before we introduce today's special guest, Big Ronnie, tell us what's going on. Well, there's lots going on, Christy. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? Bike Girl? I'm good. You ready to rock? Totally. We haven't missed one week of Mondays since we started on this podcast. I know. Let's just take up, take up second, take a bow. <laughs> That's a lot of work. Thank you very much to all the artists that came in. Uh, this is our 23rd episode today, Christy. 23. 23. It's a lucky number. Well, Jordan, everybody knows that when you shoot a basketball, if you stick your tongue out and say Jordan, you have a higher percentage of that shot going in. <laughs> let's just leave it at that. So let's talk about some current events. Coming up, we have the first official Airbnb sold tour that you'll be able to find on their website as a tour. You can sign up directly, not just through Eventbrite or the sold site. That is coming up on August 18th. Bike Girl, do we have, uh, do we, uh, can we drop a little nugget? I'm not, you know, I don't want the, the, the route or anything just yet, but. Well, there's a lot of new art. I'll just leave it at that. By some of the bigger names. And a lot more expected <coughs> even between now and then. So you never know what we might see. We're going to be back in the Lower East Side, but there's some things we saw that we'll see again. But very few, because we're going to take a different route. Mm. Now, that was a nice route lit that we did last time. I think we covered just about everything possible, and there's a lot of art there. So I'm excited yet. to see what's coming and up. Yet. There's more to see. Mm. And that's the, that's the beauty of street art, Christy. It's, it's impermanence. Got to take the picture. You're going to miss it. It's going to yeah. get tagged. It's going to get bombed. Some car is going to be in front of it. You're not going to have the opportunity to see it again. And that's why the documentarians, our photographers, our writers are so important. And thank you to all of our contributors while I'm at it. So back to current events. September 8th in Coney Island, we have the 12th annual Coney Island Beard and Mustache Competition that yours truly, Big Ronnie, is going to be judging. Please come out. It is a certified shit show every year. Uh, I'm announcing now that I'm a highly bribable judge. Uh, whiskey, edibles, cookies, anything fun, uh, that and a beard, and I'll vote for you. So that sounds pretty good. I'm also working with a couple of artists to try and do some little life-side stand-ups of their work with bearded stuff so people can take pictures in front of and bring some street art to it and trying to blend the worlds. Skipping that, the fall is coming, Bike Girl. Yes, it is. Well, I think we only have three or four more weeks of summer. And I, I know it's heartbreaking. Uh, not really, because it's I, the, the festival season. Mm. Now, the one I'm looking forward to is Pow Wow Worcester, because I think it's the only one I'm going to be able to make. Yeah, because it's an easy day trip. Uh, not going to be able to make Detroit's murals in the market. And Sold's team is a little unsure about who's going to be hitting the Denver crush this year. 77 artists by girl. Yeah, they announced a pretty big lineup for this year. Um, just saw that one of our guys, Dink, got got in again. So I'm excited for him. And shout out to him because he's still a member of a local crew. Uh, TMOs. 
I just saw the piece that uh, TMO did at PS9, the elephant. That was pretty cool. And then, for, you know, uh, you guys were you guys were out in Denver last year, Bike Girl. Who was the team that you took out there? Um, it was myself, Erica, um, John Domine or Shorts. See, I've got it in there finally. Ooh, hey, Shorts. He's not here, unfortunately, today. We already miss him. Um, Which means his FOMO is triggered oh instantly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, of course, <coughs> um, JPO. And we had a really good time. And Keith, also. And, yes, TK. We had a great time when we were out in Denver. Yeah, we said Keith. Yeah. So we're looking forward to potentially sending some people out there this year. That was a lot of fun last year. And uh, thank you for having us. And we're looking forward to covering it again. So, Christy, now we're going to get into today's special guest. Now, lately, we've had four letter names starting with D. We've had Dirt Cobain. And now we have this young lady whose name is Dirt Worship. Now, there's a lot of dirt going around, but I don't think that's what we're talking about here. <laughs> First time I heard her name, I thought of Native, Native Indians that worshipped the earth and worshipped the ground. And it was uh, a seemingly derogatory term that cowboys called Indians in movies and things like that. But that's cool. tell us, what, what, is the na- what is the name about? Let's start right there. And hello and welcome. Hello. Welcome. Um, it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> I actually, yeah, I guess I should have mentioned I hate that question. It just doesn't mean anything. I, I would have asked it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Nothing. Whatever mm-hmm. you want it to mean. There you go. Now, let, let's go into the work, though, because your work that's gone up lately in New York is um, it's aggressive and it's interesting and it's, it's, it's detailed. This latest piece that you did on JMZ, I have to ask you right off the bat, why do we say, please don't follow me on Instagram? It's like you signed it I before know. you're even named. I know. <laughs> um, I guess I just see everybody sign their instagram handle on their murals and like i keep getting a lot of followers based on one piece that i did that went super viral and i'm really glad that people are connecting with that one piece but it's not really representative of the rest of the work that i do so i feel like i'm getting a lot of people that are like i don't know i guess coming to me for self-love and i don't think i necessarily embody like a i don't think my work is um I think they're going to be disappointed if they're following me for self-love. So I was just like, enjoy that piece, but don't don't follow me for that. Like, maybe follow Oprah. or. Something. Now, is this the piece we're talking about? Yeah, that's the one. It says, in a society that profits from self-doubt, liking yourself is a rebellious act. Now, when I looked at this piece in conjunction with all your other work, I didn't see independence. I saw a protest. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I did that piece at the same time that I did this um, mural in my college dorm, which um, I had to, like, hide every time the dorm maintenance people would come through because you're not supposed to paint your walls, and I painted this massive thing on my wall, which was basically a self-portrait of me kind of covering my face with the balaclava, saying, oh, fuck, I'm also ugly on the inside. And that's how I felt, and I felt that way for a lot of reasons. And then I had that going on inside myself and at the same time also feeling like the reason why I was feeling that way about myself is because of all this messaging that I'm getting 
from the society I live in. And yeah, so I guess it was just sort of like a twofold thing inside myself. Um, and I did that ad takeover shortly after, and then like Madonna reposted it, and it just caught on like wildfire. I was kind of amazed that so many people were connecting with this thing that for me felt like um, sort of facing a darkness in myself. Um, and it felt really good for that reason, but I also don't really do work about like self-help or self-healing. It was just a moment that I was having. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm totally honored that so many people are connecting with it. And it's very uh, special to feel like it's touching the same place in people that maybe it touched in me. Like, I think art has so much power to do that. And that was such a humbling moment to see that happening with something I made. What do you think, Bright Girl, about that piece? Well, I liked it <laughs> when I saw it um, because of the message. But I find it even more interesting now because of the reality of where it came from. So, but I want to know if that isn't symbolic of your art, what is your art? What, how do you describe yourself as an artist? Um, like a junkyard dog. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, I guess I do kind of like, uh, like dirty illustrations about runaway fantasies and about kind of struggling to connect with concepts of home and personal identity. Um, and I guess for me, like my art practice was not really about like necessarily connecting with an audience. It was kind of more of an exploration of me figuring out like, I don't know, I guess, yeah, I guess it was just me struggling with the idea of, of finding a place that felt like home that I could feel like a forever you know, sense of settlement, and I just... Is is it almost, I don't want to use rebellion, but is it almost a, a defiance of societal norms? Sure, yeah, I, I guess... That's I the way I read yeah. it. Like, I don't need your rules. It's not about what you think. Yeah, I mean, I guess not to take it to, like, a Freudian level, but, like, it feels so... I feel like so much of my art practice is connected to the feeling of being a teenager in a home that I felt was really unsafe for me, that I wasn't allowed to have a lock on my door, and that like it almost felt like living in a trash heap would have been safer in some ways because at least it would have been something that I was actively choosing to do. So I, I did have a lot of runaway fantasies, and I did run away a lot. And like, um, yeah, I guess as a sort of like young adult, I still am sort of like actively trying to create a place that feels like home for myself and it's taken a lot of work and as a 40 year old I'm still actively trying to find a place that feels like home in life yeah. that's I think that's part of life yeah but that's also what's kind of special about New York too is it's got such a shifting face that it's one of those things where like the moment feels like home and that was something that attracted me to the city so much where like I didn't have to feel like a particular place was my place because the city felt like like the active moment felt like the place for me to be felt like there wasn't a better place to be so I think it's so great that somebody can walk by that piece and uh, you know you're telling them it, it's okay to like yourself it's okay you know 
No, it's taking pride in liking yourself because you're standing up to what society or the man or your version of power wants you to feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not putting words in, in your mouth, but in, in, in this world, I feel like I should be a skinny woman. <laughs> when that's all the advertising. Yeah. You know, honestly, it's yeah. just in your face every damn day. And after the advent of technology and airbrushing and things like that, the things that are being pushed on young women and young people today are just unrealistic. The They're just not, they don't, yeah, don't even yeah. exist. Are telling you what is beautiful. And they're and like constantly making you feel bad about what you need. yourself and because because they have that product that's that's the solution right. to your exactly and that's the way like that is the primary you know method of communication when you walk outside those are the messages you see isn't especially that? though in this city right I have to say in this city we're probably targeted by more advertisement in our face daily than anywhere else in this country. Right, and I just wonder how different the quality of life would be and an individual's self-esteem would be if when they walk through the world, the messages that they see mm-hmm. are not just advertisers pushing products on you, but maybe something, anything else, really. Mm-hmm. Something holistic, but even something violent or something real that has nothing to do with telling you how to think about your body mm-hmm. or the way you should see yourself moving through the world. It's just like... So this might be a good time to bring up about <coughs> um, art and ad places. Yeah. Uh, that year-long campaign where you kind of like reclaimed public space with art and instead of all those advertisements that you know obviously we'd rather see the art oh yeah instead of these these uh ad takeovers are some of my favorite pieces of art on the street yeah that's the shit that am i allowed to curse no yeah that's the shit that feels the most uh, radical in my mind because at this point I feel like street art has has kind of gotten to this level of social acceptability that it's almost expected um, and I feel like ad takeovers still feel like a direct conversation with the space that you're reclaiming um, and and such a necessary one such a necessary one like yeah yeah that they, like I said, we are inundated with ads in New York. <laughs> They're everywhere. But that's why the ad takeovers are some of my favorite. And a lot, the other reason I love them is when you do an ad takeover, it's not like just putting something on the wall. You have to be creative. There has to be something that catches people's attention. Otherwise, they will just walk by because we tune it out as best as we can. Right. So an ad takeover has to be either a play on what was there as far as the ad a, a, a statement on society or a cause or a, you know, some, a message. Exactly. They're, they're not just, and even if they're whimsical, they're whimsical beyond, like Clint Mario in that style. So they're some of my favorite pieces of art on the street. Yeah. Now, let's go back to the different types of things and why you think you have gotten uh, followers and, and friends and, and uh, acknowledgement. Because I'm looking at another piece from your site. Uh, it basically says compliments that aren't about a physical appearance and you list about a dozen things that you can say to somebody that has nothing to do with the way that they look. Yeah, totally. Um, I guess I was just... So that piece is in collaboration with this um, artist named Tran Nguyen, and I had seen essentially that list, or, or a variation of it, 
um, online somewhere and I reached out to her and I was just like, this is fucking brilliant. I love it so much. It just moved something in me. So I was just like, could I do a variation of this as an ad takeover? And she was like, yes, I would love that. And um, so I kind of, I took the concept and then filled in my own compliments that are about physical appearance. Um, and yeah, I guess it's just feeling like people are more than their bodies. You're more than your body. And, you know, if you want to make somebody feel good about themselves, highlighting things that have to do with their spirit or their soul or their personality or, you know, I feel like those touch something so much deeper than just, um, I guess, the outward container of a person. So why are you shocked that the next logical step <laughs> in this, in being this other piece, well, geez, why... I didn't think I got caught on it like this. No, <laughs> I mean, no it's because um, I, I like the piece a lot, and to hear you think that yeah, you're shocked that you're... Right. You know, and you're not well, shocked. Come on, that, that other piece it, was led to it, No. Yeah, right, completely, completely. I guess it's just because, like, <laughs> I just feel like I'm going to disappoint those people who follow me for anything having to do with self-love. I'm like, oh, my God, there are, like, a 100,000 other people that you should follow before me if you're looking for, like, self-love motivation because I, I really feel like most of the work I do is coming from a completely different place inside myself. But not this work. Right, right. And And so I guess I just, like... I don't know. I don't want to disappoint them. So I'm kind of like... You just pop one of those out every once in a while to maintain a little bit of balance. I'm not even (laughs) thinking about the way it's going to be received by fans, though. I'm just having my own personal experience, and it's not a linear narrative of me being like, self-love, 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 and then, you know, dogs fighting and, and like, a a shanty tower. Like, it's just however I'm feeling in the moment. It has nothing to do with audience, and I guess, like... I just feel bad when those people follow me expecting more of that. And I'm just like, you're just going to get a lot of like maybe uh, something something different. But every now and then they'll get something that is right up their alley. Maybe, maybe. I don't, I can't put that kind of pressure on myself to play to the audience. I'm just, I'm just seeing what I see with my own eyes, I guess. This is Stella Bell. I'm stepping in here. You circled back to this again, so I wanted to chime in. Um, When I first saw this, I knew that it was a woman who wrote it. But what I really appreciate about it is it isn't slapping you in the face with feminism. It's not feminism. It isn't feminism. But I think maybe you haven't said that yet, but self-love and all that can kind of get like female empowerment and it, this isn't really, it is really applies to everybody. Mm-hmm. If and I really kind of thought that that was just so profound. Yeah, that sometimes this whole female empowerment um, message can. I don't want to say it's get, not feminist. I'm, I can say that, that anyone can take strength from it. That's what I was saying. Exactly. What I really have. Independently uh, of feminist mm-hmm. message. Not even. Um, but I also was kind of understood when I started learning more about you that you didn't really want people to attach yourself to it because you know you it is one thing and and your art is another thing so I I I see that I mean I guess if there's a feminist take from this message that in my mind is pretty neutral it's because we don't live in a neutral world um women are absolutely the target of uh I guess, sort of like um, self-deprecating 
advertisements that are focused on your love handles, focused on, you know, looking like whatever, just an emaciated figure. Um, so, yeah, if there's a feminist take on this, it's because we don't live in an equal world. But I, yeah, I don't know. I think also it's just... Um, I guess I'm just thinking about like uh, systems of oppression and like structural oppression and you know we think about wage gap just looking at numbers but we don't think about it in terms of the fact that like women have to pay so much more to get their hair done and to do their makeup and And to get their clothes looking nice and that is expected of them when they walk into an office environment to so much of a higher degree than for men and that's not factored into a wage gap you know but it's part and of how about it. the higher prices for female items uh by name right. female razors <laughs> oh, right yes. exactly so, on everything right so it's like it wasn't intended to be like a, a feminist message per se it was supposed to be just about like overcoming feelings of oppression but it does have a feminist take because we live in a sexist system without saying it that's what i appreciated about it not that i knew where it was coming from but it wasn't hitting me over the head it was just such a bold message i I love it thanks yeah so not all of your work is a message in word form uh, you know, a lot of it is is literal, but let, let's talk about another awesome piece down your feed. Uh, a young girl uh, committing Harry Carey, killing herself, <laughs> slicing open her stomach and saying, everything I need is already inside me. Beautiful message. <laughs> but the juxtaposition with the gore is where you find your sweet spot. Hey, that's just how I feel. That's just how I feel. I don't know. I guess like. that's something I tell myself a lot is like I guess looking for um, forms of validation from other people or looking at other people to find my own happiness and just oh my gosh it's so much pressure to do that to be like oh if this person just texted me I would climb down from this ledge you know stuff like that Um, and then just telling myself like all that love is already in me and I could just give it to myself um, but also feeling so I guess, um, I don't know, uh, like I could cut my stomach open and let it all come out (laughs) quicker, quicker, just get it all out. See, they say the easiest way to a man's heart is through his stomach, but they're talking about feeding him. (laughs) It's a little, little different. Yeah, you're right. You're right, girl. You're right. I might not know what I'm talking about. So let's let's talk about some of the collabs uh, that you have in and around New York. Uh, the first piece I saw of yours on the street was Welling Court Biker. Was that last year or two years ago with Mike McIntyre? It was last year, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, I believe it was. I think so. I don't remember. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was last year. And that was a huge elephant with a whole house in his belly. (laughs) On his back. I was on his back too? Yeah. Yeah. So that was um, Mike's concept and he was coming through town from Australia and was just like, hey, I have this concept and I know you like draw these shanties. Would you want to do this like house portion of the elephant design I have? And I was like, yeah, 
um, I ha haven't done that many murals, so he was kind of like my sensei, telling me the, all the tricks. Um, yeah, so that was our collab. And then um, he, rolled town, he rolled through town again recently and was like, I'm about to paint this wall. Do you want to paint a wall? And it's so funny because it was like a wall that was like a 10-minute bike ride from where I live. But um, I would never think to go there and be like, can I paint this? But because he was coming through Australia and was just trying to, you know, accomplish as much in the short time that he was here as he could, he was just like hooking me up with spots that, you know, are so accessible to me, but I never thought to go get for myself. Um, well, and you did an awesome yeah. job on the newest, on the JMZ uh, wall. Oh, thanks. Definitely. And I appreciate I'm, that. I'm sure Alberto loves it. <laughs> it, was, it was two years ago, 2016. Two? Okay. Wow. Let the record show. There it is. It stayed for a while. Yeah, it was fun, though. It was just like a fun day. Painting, getting messy in the sun. All right, so let's let's go back in time. Not too far. Um, are you an art school brat? Oh, my God. I couldn't go to art school if you paid me to. I went to school and studied... Um, international relations and agriculture and um, I wove art into that practice I was really lucky to have professors that encouraged me to kind of do um, creative projects about the academic stuff I was studying so like instead of writing a research paper I was allowed to do a graphic novel which mm. I really don't recommend it was so much more work than just <laughs> writing a paper it was a paper plus hours and hours and hours of illustrating all of it um, but I felt really lucky that like I, you know, I was doing all that stuff anyway and I didn't feel like I was going to benefit from having assignments like I imagine you do at art school. I don't know. I didn't go, but, um, yeah, so it was a, that was sort of an ideal for me. I also felt like it was something I was doing so, so much of anyway that, um, I don't know, I guess I wanted to make work that wasn't for the sake of a school assignment. It was because it was something I felt compelled to do naturally, I suppose. So, we had talked about this earlier, and I was hoping you were going to bring it up, but I'm going to go ahead and bring it up. You've worked for some of the top names. Yeah, that was my art for, school. Right. That um, was my art school. A couple of questions about that experience. One, what was the experience like with some of the different artists? And two, how do you as an artist... Let them influence you and yet find your own voice. Yeah. Um, so I feel extremely fortunate to have worked with some of my personal role models in the art world. Um, so my first job out of college was um, working with the artist duo Fail. And I had loved their work for so long. And I basically emailed them like 12 times being like, do you need help? Can I help you? Do you need anybody? <laughs> Until finally they were like, yes, we need somebody. We're working on a show. Fine, come in. And like, I don't know. I, I was a little persistent with that. Um, and they were amazing. They're, they're brilliant artists. And I guess seeing two people work together in collaboration to create one really um, solid vision was so inspiring. They're genius businessmen as well. I feel like they 
they just have a really solid handle on their practice and I learned so much while I was there and they're also just really nice guys um so that was great and then um you know I've I've helped out a few other people um I think maybe the most um influential person I've worked for on me personally was Swoon um I think she is one of the most magical artists in history and getting to work closely with her meant the world to me I I feel like that was all of an art school education times a hundred um getting to work with somebody who just is uh I don't know she's just thinking on another level and um yeah, I feel like I learned so much just by spending time with her and helping her with her work and shows. So the second part of the question, how do you work as an assistant and, keep, like I said, um, take something away from the artists you've worked with and yet keep your own voice? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question. Um, I guess the stuff that I'm making work about feels so personal to me and it's about my life and things that I've lived through that I don't think I could have taken those concepts from any artist that I work for because they're about my life. Um, However, the ability to translate any of those things into images is so... Technique. um, Technique and not style. Technique, right? Yeah, so much of that is um, is learned through working through you know for for masters of the craft um, and seeing somebody else execute work so well and being like, oh wow, okay, this is how you do that. I see now. I can do that. You know, not as well, but (laughs) I can try. Well, it's still (laughs) always still going to be a practice. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> you have the ability to learn. You have the ability to collaborate with other artists. You have the ability to learn from other artists. Who do you want to work with? Oh, I guess the dream collab question. Banksy, call me. <laughs> DM me. <laughs> Your styles in Banksy stencils? Is um, that... Yeah, man. We'll make it. We'll find a way. Okay, we'll we'll right. find a way. Who else? Uh, who else? Anyone other than the most famous street artist on the planet? Um, I really like Ram Das. If he would ever collaborate with me, he he's not an artist. He's just a genius. Um, <laughs> he's a, a former Harvard psychology professor turned psychedelic guru, and I am so inspired by that guy. So if he ever needed a visual collaborator. Hook it up, man. I'm I'm here for it. <laughs> um, who else? I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I have to think about it. I'm really inspired by musicians, really. Mm. Like, I guess I look when mm. I'm like working on my own stuff. I feel like I listen to like specific musicians to get in a certain headspace. So, like, if I think about collaborating, I think more about like what musicians I would want to like. I guess make work visualizing more so than trying to uh, fit my style in with somebody else's aesthetic. I don't want to know what you listen to while you're working. Ready? Here come a couple of random scenarios. You tell me what the right band is for it. Okay. Okay. Just woke up in the morning. 
not hungover, nice morning. You don't have shit to do until the afternoon. What are you <laughs> listening to? Lately, a lot of Sister Nancy and um, reggae. Old school <laughs> reggae, yeah. yeah. Bomb, bomb. Very nice. <laughs> um, that's just my chill summer vibes. Um, a lot of 90s hip-hop, Digital Planets, Tribe, De La Soul. Um, I don't know if my like aesthetic fits with these artists, but that's what I listen to a lot. Um, I don't think rhythm is an aesthetic. Is an aesthetic. I think if it's something that gets the, you know, the, the the nuances in your brain going and gets them going on autopilot, and yeah, you can get a little head nod going. I think that's really all that matters. I don't Although think sometimes I think you can look at a piece of art and actually you can kind of tell what music the people were listening to when they painted it. Yeah, there you have see been... it sometimes. Right. We're gonna yeah. pair art to uh, music next. We're we're working on a. Uh, you know what? Art pairs with everything. <coughs> yeah. Imagine a day without art. Hmm. Okay. Well, that it's depends not, on your definition of art. But it's everything. Um, everything creative. Imagine a day without anything creative. Right. So is art something that happens intentionally or is it something that you as oh. a viewer decides is, you know, I don't know, is art? <laughs> well, in yes. today's world, it's both because... All, all of that. You know, the, the Instagram world has created art where you would have never thought of art before because someone's taking a picture of a leaf right now and putting it up and someone's going to say, wow, that's a beautiful. Right. Yeah. And I've seen a couple of funny Instagram accounts where it's just like um, there's this one account where it's a person who just finds faces in things. So it'll be like in the subway, like <laughs> I see faces. Two yes. Bolts yes. And like, you know, a line under it. And they're like, it's a face. I follow it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, OK, so a day without art, like what? You know, I don't know. The photo is art. Obviously not the random face in something unless it was unintentionally designed that way. I don't know. I've seen some really beautiful greats that were completely functional and not... They they had to exist for the sake of function, but the craft of them was, in my opinion, extremely beautiful. So, like, I don't know. I guess that question just brings up, like, 20 other questions for me about, like, how can you find a hard boundary for something that feels really subjective? But, but all right, ready? I'm gonna go old school. A blacksmith forging a sword is art. Cool. And the story, you know, there's no two ways about it because you, you, you know, a well, sword either works or not. They didn't have to be shiny and nice and pretty and, and ornate you, and jewel inlaid and all that bullshit. That was the art of it. And they always left their mark on it too. And when you leave a mark on something, it's art in you're a way signing because it. That's you're right. signing mm-hmm. it. You're you're putting it out there. If you leave your mark on it as a person, it, in my mind, is one of the reasons it becomes art. Hmm. So, what are you working on currently? What uh, anything coming up? Anything yeah. just? Yeah. So, I have a really great art show coming up that will have opened already after this comes out. Let's talk about it like it's coming <clears throat> up. Okay. Well. I am co-curating an art show with two good friends of mine, um, Mistress Sybil and Mistress Nico, who are both dominatrixes. Um, What's I'm the plural of a dominatrix? Dominatri. Mm. <laughs> um, so I my dare d- you to ask them. My dominatri <laughs> friends. Um, 
are co-curating a show with me. Basically, they work together in, you know, this industry. And they approached me saying, hey, we have an idea for an art show. You're in the art world. Would you help us make this happen? So I was just like, oh, my God. Yes. Yes. Double yes. Um, And, yeah, so we basically found a bunch of artists uh, female artists who are in the sex work world or are allies of the world or who are making art that feels very, um, I guess, uh, yeah, like empowering to women in in this Not necessarily country. sex work positive, but sex worker positive. Right, yeah. Or just like, I guess, female empowering, but just, you know, related. Um so I connected them with a bunch of artists, and the space was a space that I had had another show at. And, um, yeah, the work is going to be hung on some uh, submissive male thralls, slaves. And, um, yeah, so... What, like a dude in the corner holding a canvas? We're going to tie we them about? up, and chain <laughs> them to the wall, Got it. and hang the artwork on them. And if they are doing a poor job of displaying the art, we're going to have a Which couple dominatrixes there to keep them in shape mm-hmm. with various tools. Um, some of the guys are going to have the work hot waxed onto them. Um, sure. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't think of a better way to hang an art show. I think after this, this is going to be the only way I'll hang my work, is if it's tied to two men. (laughs) You're definitely upping the game to a new level. I think, yeah, I think this is the only way to do it from now on. And it'll definitely make a statement about your show. You don't have to stand there and explain what it's about. (laughs) Yeah, so um, I guess, uh, yeah, I'm really excited. I hope that it... So, are you able to tell us the space? Yeah, so it's going to be at Lucas Lucas Gallery in Williamsburg, um, which is an incredible space run by Stacy Lucas, this badass woman who just does the coolest projects. Um, and it's going to open on the 10th, but we have two opening nights because one was not enough for us. So, it's going to be the 10th and the 11th. Um, and we're going to have live performances by exotic dancers and um, pretty fascinating slash disturbing burlesque acts that I hope delight you as much as they make you cringe. Um. Shout out to Stacy Lucas. Um, I met her at Moniker, and this is just coming full circle for me. I'm Stella Bell. I'm sitting back in again. Um, <laughs> the first time I saw your work on the street was on my way to the Street Heroine uh, panel discussion at Moniker. Cool. And I met Stacy Lucas right after that. And it was just like a very, like, it was a great day. Do You were there. Who else was there with me on that, that Friday? Um, anyway, I remember having your photo in my camera and like, who is this person? Who is this person? <laughs> because it really started that day for me. It was just a really great day. Um, and then researching and finding out about it, it was a wee pace of a, of a girl jumping a fence. And it's like, it's all just pink. Yeah. And it's just so beautiful on this big brick wall in Greenpoint. And I think it's been put other places, but that was my first introduction to you. And that's, I just personalized everything for me. Hi, <laughs> Stacey. I'm definitely going to be there. On the <laughs> Amazing. I wouldn't miss it. 
Oh, yay. Thank you. <laughs> Christy, how do you feel about um, male slaves? <laughs> male slaves. Well, uh, in that context, in that show, it sounds like it's going to be interesting. <laughs> you heard Definitely. it here first. Sold <laughs> something to miss. Sold editor Chrissy C. says <laughs> yes to male slaves. Yes. It's not something I personally have a whole lot of experience with. And since I've been promoting this show, I get like daily DMs from guys being like, let me be your slave. And I'm like, this is not uh, my line of work. Please don't follow me. But I am. Why she says that? Please don't follow me. But I am a pervert who will take your money. So welcome. Listen, a background check, he can clean your apartment, can he? <laughs> I have a lot to be done if, if these guys are serious. I'll take it. I'll take it. Here, yes, come move these boxes and I'll whip you along the way. <laughs> so, Stella Bella said it's about to pop off. She's giggling so hard over there. So, Bike Girl, how much deeper do we want to go? Do we want to dig or do we want to... Uh, no, I have one question. Sure. Um, you did not grow up in New York, Mm-mm. but since you've lived here, where is your one go-to place for the food that makes you feel whole, uh, makes you want to stay in New York another day? What is your one go-to? Oh, my God. It has got to be the Baja Fish Burrito Bowl at Calexico. I would die i would die like if you brought that to me right now i would face plant it no hands <laughs> slaves listening <laughs> slaves <laughs> i have never had it but i like calexico they have some cool stuff their crack sauce is to die for the green one right no it's it's like a light orange mm. so good it's delicious <laughs> okay before we let you go, uh, why don't we give uh, our listeners and your new fans, uh, you know, your Instagram handle, where they can find your work online, and unless you don't want them to follow you and don't even you tell guys them. don't feel pressure to follow me. I literally like, unless you're gonna reach out and have a real combo with me, which I would love. DM me. Let's chat. You don't have to follow me if you don't like my work, or if you do like my work, you don't have to follow me. Um, my Instagram start worship. Um, and yeah, say hi. <laughs> we are sold out with dirt worship. <laughs>